Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. You know, when I laugh, sometimes I'm just laughing at myself because I know how I get in game sevens and stuff when I watch them. And and, and we, we for sure love God. You're here. You get it, right? But my prayer today would be somehow we increase our level of excitement for the victory in such a way that we can't contain it. And we see it and we're captivated by it that that it is so real, it's so worth everything, that everything in comparison to Jesus and being known by him, it just looks so puny. It's like, okay, bucket list, cool. But in light of eternity, it's, if I get there, I get there. And if I get to, I get to. That's the type of passion consuming us. And, and I know that that video is just stirring us up and reminding us. And one of the coolest things about gathering is just remembering we're different. We are not of this world. God has called us to fight with love. He's called us to be people that are forgiven and to forgive. He's called us to proclaim that he's making all things new forever. And so we can deal with the pain today because in light of where we're going, it pales in comparison. It's a whole different mindset. This morning when I was upstairs praying and I come down and I hear the worship team just just for a moment practicing and something in me just, my, my spirit went up. Throughout the week, it feels like, you know, everything in the world's trying to make it down. But something about today that Jesus is alive and us coming together is just new and fresh and powerful. That it just did something for me, right? Yeah. <laughs> you, G, L, Y, you ain't got no alibis. You ugly. Yeah, yeah, you ugly. <laughs> M-A-M-A, you know how you got that way. Your mama can't change your mama. Some ugly people in the house. <laughs> you know what's funny? Is we sung that as kids, right? And we said it and we'd go on and on back and forth. And as much as we like to say, you know, sticks and stones will hurt my bones, but words will never hurt me. But the truth is sticks and stones, they may hurt your bones and break and they'll heal, but words really do hurt you. And they hurt so bad in such a way that we, you know, we can know with our head. And this is what I think. Okay, we know, okay, I'm not ugly in Jesus. He loves me and, and get it. But, but I'm not sure we know in our hearts that we're not ugly to God. I think sometimes the, the previous generation of what they've given us and we've received, because you receive your good looks from your parents or your bad looks from your parents, right? And, and that's just where it's at. It is what it is. He'd be like, well, I don't look. But God's not looking on the outside. It's not how he's defining beauty. He's not. So beautiful as we think about how God sees us and how he thinks about us, that it, it really does make us free in such a way that now we want to serve him. There's a whole new confidence that we don't have to be some supermodel. We don't have to be GQ. We don't have none of that to, to have that confidence that comes on the inside. Because if we kind of pull back the, the mask and the mirage, what we've seen is a lot of people that are on the stage, they've really struggled behind the scenes, right? They still feel ugly. They still have that song on repeat. And if we think about kind of our parents of what we inherited from them, whether it's looks or behaviors or whatever, as much as we hate to admit it, there's probably been some moments when we saw our parents in us. And in fact, if you're over 25, you can't believe it because you grew up your whole life saying it would never be you. And then here we are saying, oh, yeah, 
It's me. It's this idea I always wanted to have a song for called Family Tree and talk about all the pain of my family tree, but at the very end, talk about the family tree is me. It's, 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 it's hard. How do you break that? What do you do? How do you get the ugly out? And, and the answer really is simply and truly Jesus. And as we let him in and we find our position in him, what we find is that from the inside out, he's making us beautiful. But it only comes by receiving. Just like we received qualities and characteristics from our parents, we receive qualities and characteristics from our heavenly father. The way the earthly parents speak to us, it carries weight, right? If our parents sung that over us, we'd feel horrible. But the way God sings over us, it's heavenly new. Only comes with receiving today. Where the dream is for this series is this, forever me, right? Forever free to be forever me. And that's not some happy-go-lucky like God made me. No, it's really understanding who Jesus is, big God first, And in light of making him just everything, hallowed be your name. Now I say, whoa, you're you're making me your son? This this now makes me want to obey as opposed to me thinking, hey, dad, here's what I got to do to be right because I want to hang out with you. Well, that's exhausting. That's why we come into church and sometimes we're still playing the game because we're in this exhausting kind of rhythm in this role. And the prayer for forever me would be kind of that we would be so confident. Okay, just so confident. We could walk in any place, a palace of where all wickedness, all the, the richest and the, 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 the biggest temptation that you could ever think and everything that the world could try to offer, the kingdoms of this world, and it's all there for us. And we still say, mm, no, my God's more than enough. And we just won't bow. Think of Daniel, Shadmach, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're entering the fiery furnace because they won't bow. Daniel, he goes into the lion's den because he won't bow. And you could say um, that that's one of the most powerful stories of, of not bowing to the gods of this world. Because he was really close to the king's palace. He could have had everything. could have had all the food, all the luxuries. And he could have said, man, God, you know how hard it is. God, you right? You could have just done one of those, man, this is hard out here. Man, God, forgive me, right? It's just so pretty. No, he's like, no, I won't bow. My prayer is that, that that's, that's us. We won't bow. We won't bow to even gossip. We won't bow to bitterness. Because I think some of us, we started to check out as soon as we heard, okay, well, Drugs or temptation and money power. It's like, no, it's not me. What about just the issues in our own heart that we wouldn't even bow to how the enemy talks? When all eyes are on us, we would make much of God when no one is looking. Because when, when we make much of God, get this, get this. When we make much of God when no one's looking, it's easier to not bow when everyone's looking. Our private always becomes public at some point. And what we do when no one's looking, it's like it carries over. And here's the cool part. There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. So if you thought we were going to come up here and put all your sins on the the screen, it's not how it works. No, when you're in Jesus, freedom. And since we're in Jesus, we want to walk in freedom. We don't want to go about kind of messing up every day. No, but we are not bogged down with the idea that I don't have to mess up. Look, that happens, but that's not our aim. Our aim is Jesus. In fact, Paul writes to a leader named Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3. He talks about that we're soldiers who endure hardship, 
And as soldiers who endure hardship, we're not fighting with weapons. In fact, we're, we're, we're not getting entangled, check this out, in civilian affairs. So what everybody else is doing, it may not be what I'm doing. We aim to please the one who enlisted us. That's where I've been in the Lord's army. That's where this comes from. Man, I'm Jesus's. I'm a king's kid. And so therefore, I don't want to be involved in the same things. Now, know this. There's a real battle and a real fight. Sometimes our flesh is crying, like, like it's saying, oh, no, sin, go here. It's like, no, my spirit's like, no, <laughs> right? There's that war, and that's why we have each other. We're getting rallied back up for this week, friends. This is really cool. First Peter 1 um, talks about that it's written that God, for, for you shall be holy because I am holy. And if we read that, if I just say, okay, be holy because God's holy. It's like, oh, I get it. He's, he's the rule book God. No, if we could even fathom his love for us and his holiness, it's like, that's all I want. That's all I want is the holiness of God. Forever free to be forever me. How do we talk about ourselves? Who are you? What do you do? I think that's how most of us would talk about ourselves. Well, I am this. I am a worker. I am a father. I am a husband. It's like, no, who are you? What's your position? We get to see um, this cool story of Gideon where an angel shows up to him. We're going to pick it up in Judges chapter 6. Uh, verses 11 through 16. And when I say this, this is simply an address of where you can locate it. And so uh, maybe you, you hear that and you instantly think, well, I don't know where Judges is. I don't know what chapter six means. I don't know. Well, look, they didn't even have all of that. This was um, letters and, and, and be scrolls being preserved to, 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 ca to capture and make... Um, an account for what God was doing through the world. And he was using and inspiring through his spirit to preserve the truth, the purity, the perfection of who he is. And so I want to say that because maybe we just, it's so easy, I think, in church to be like, all right, we're going to go to the Bible. It's like, okay, the Bible says. But the addresses weren't even there originally, okay? They're there now for a frame of reference so that you and I can, you know, get there. It's like Google Maps wasn't there as a kid. My Son asked me recently on a trip, he goes, did, Dad, did you ever have to drive anywhere with maps <laughs> in the car? I said, I had to think back. I was like, oh, my goodness, we did. We did, you know, turn here, and you're drawn on it. It was the, when you pull over, the humility moment is, we don't know where we're at. We're lost. Okay, I know that that's really hard for anybody under 22 to even envision, but that happened for a long time, and then, and, uh, okay, so check this out. So in verse 11, address. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under Terebinth at Ophrah, not Oprah, Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abezerite, which his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And so what you have is just a normal job being taken place, that, that um, the backdrop is chill, uh, the Israel's not in the prominent power and here's Gideon just doing his job hiding it from the adversaries because the war has been real the battle's been real the difficulty has been real and now the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him the Lord is with you O mighty man of valor now this moment O mighty man of valor would be mean like O mighty warrior so here's God speaking into him in his setting, in a specific moment. Now, maybe Gideon, okay, 
if, we, if you don't know the story, maybe you think Gideon would just respond like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. I've been killing. I'm the warrior. But really, Gideon responds like a lot of us feel and say as we start talking about our setting. Verse 13, and Gideon said to him, please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? Sickness, hurt, disease, struggling, outcast. And where are all of his wondrous deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, did not the Lord bring us up out of, from Egypt? This is where sometimes if you struggled as a kid when you listen to your parents and your grandparents talk about Jesus, because they're just telling you about all the highlights, and you're in a low light, and you're thinking, I can't relate to this God is good stuff, because I'm right here until you experience some wins for yourself and you start to recognize God is good. And you get perspective. Well, God is good. And here he is. He's having a vulnerable moment. He's being honest. And he's just saying, this is where I'm at. Did not the Lord bring us from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. We're not even in power. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours, might of yours, and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you. And he said to him, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh. I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord came and said to him, but I will be with you and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. I love this. It's just constantly showing our frailty, our insecurities into the moment when God has called people and he's, and he's positioning them for his purposes. Now, this isn't a foreign concept at all. This happens with Moses. In fact, when you read the Moses story, it is so annoying how many excuses he gives to God. I want to kick him in the face. I mean, I've read it. I'm just so frustrated. I'm like, how many times does God tell you he's got you? Right? But then when I read my story, how many times does God got you, Jerome? What are you talking about? Sometimes I have to go back and, because in the moment, I'm complaining about my setting and my surroundings. And I love the perspective of heaven. It doesn't even answer yeah, it doesn't even say, oh, you feel like you're the weakest. It's just like, look, you're mighty. You're going to do this. Now, the weakest in his clan, what this means is kind of like the runt of the litter. So if you have ever went and adopted an animal or purchased an animal, it's not normally that you're looking for the runt of the litter, especially if you're going to sell or you're going to breed them. Now, as a child, we bred American Eskimo dogs, and you could sell them for three, 400 bucks, and we'd have these little fluffy white you know, huskies running around the yard, and every time for every litter, you had to keep another one. So by the time, uh, the end of the litter, we got five of them. And then by the time my parents get divorced, they're like, we got to pick one. It's the worst moment, right? And so we picked Toro. I kept Toro until I was 18 years old. And Toro was hit by a car on my 18th birthday at my open house. And I had to bury Toro because we found him in the ditch the next day. It was not a fun moment, right? And uh, I don't need pity because Toro is going to be in heaven and me and Toro are tight. And so it's all good. And why is he going to be in heaven? Because Jesus comes back riding a horse. And so that's a second theology. Uh, that's probably secondary doctrine. It's not essential. So I'm not sure, but I do think Toro in me are going to be there. Now, if we go back to the moment with the runt litter, you might be the person that might pick the runt. Cool. Kudos to you. But for most of us, we're not looking for the runt. Show me the, I want the one with the nicest fur. It's like, that one has bad breath. It's just, you know, it's like, oh, Toro, Toro. We had Toro and Trixie. That's what the parents' names were. But the runt is how God sees it. 
Now, in 1 Corinthians, Paul, of all people, he, he's, he's a prominent person. His resume is awesome. And he's writing to a church in Corinth, and he's talking to them in verse 27. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. I love this perspective because what it's saying is he's got a great leader that, that was significant, did accomplish many things. His resume is awesome. 4.0, got it, check. Power, prestige, check. Army, check. Pharisee, check. And here's what he's saying is, look, my story, it's not normally how God does it. I think it's what he would, if you were asking him offline, he was reminding. Because the church in Corinth is starting to get puffed up. And they're thinking, oh, if I have more knowledge, God's going to love me more. If I can debate better. And, but what God's, I think Paul's using him to bring him back. Wait, remember, God cares about the runts. God cares about the nobodies. God wants to make them somebody. The Gideons and his 300. That's who God can use. The ones that are often overlooked. And so how we recruit is a lot differently. In fact, when there's moments when I go into uh, prisons or ever had the opportunity to be in correction facilities, especially for young kids, I say, hey, man, shout out news. Man, there's no place that's recruiting you but the kingdom of God right now. It's like, you know, job recruiters aren't normally going in there. Google's not coming in and be like, hey, show me who's uh, awaiting a felony trial. But that's what God does. He's awesome like that. Paul says, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Reminding them that, hey, don't ever, don't ever start talking that we're big in this thing. In fact, where we find God's greatest strength is when we know we are weak. So if you feel weak, you're in a great place. If you feel like you can't, then you're in a great place. If you feel like you, you, you shouldn't or couldn't, well, man, start looking to God. And we could find out our confidence level real quick, right? If I said, hey, come to stage. Oh, no, no, I don't do that kind of thing. Okay. So God can't do that kind of thing? Oh, but I, hey, why don't we go to the hospital and pray for Oh, I could never do that. I always find that so interesting when we start saying I could never or I can't. As if Jesus is talking like that. He's not. When we make much of God, we start to find ourselves freedom, um, just real freedom. Now, I don't know if you guys knew this, but there was a big wedding a little while ago. This royal wedding, did you guys hear anything about this? But Prince Harry, right? I learned this at the first service. I thought it was William. Prince Harry and Meghan. Now, Prince Harry's from a royal family. I mean, he's got red hair and a red beard. And, uh, you know, diversity's coming in the family. Welcome. And I love it. And you know why I love this is on all levels because there's an African-American pastor too preaching the gospel with the celebrities sitting there like, oh, you better sit and listen. And they're just sitting there like this. And he's just ripping it. He's like, in the name of Jesus, God's good. And just, I mean, just laying it out there. And the world's captivated. I mean, so much so that I'm not even in this world and somehow now I'm hearing about it and I'm online and I know about this royal wedding and we're all kind of leaning into this royal wedding because royalty is getting married, right? And I would dare say if, if they walked in this place today, we would think it was cool. Be like, they're here. The royal couple's here. But did you know there actually is royalty here? No, there really is royalty here. I wonder if we started seeing each other, if we started standing up and being like, hey. And I was thinking about Brother Jorge at first service. Hey, Brother Jorge, I gotta stand up. There's royalty in the room. Wow. Yeah, royalty in the room. First Peter, second nine. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people from his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. 
chosen, royal. If you've ever had step-siblings, it's always uncomfortable. Is this your brother? Well, yeah, it's my brother. It looks nothing like, well, okay, it's my step-brother. It's like your stepdad, it's my step-step, half this. And you're trying to always explain it. We take this view into God too. I'm kind of, I'm his stepson. Or, but if you really walked with the boldness, and sometimes we feel like we can't give ourselves permission to enter in because we're not, okay, I've been struggling. I really think this, you know how you quit struggling? Really enter in. I mean, get so bold that you're touching God face to face and he's just crying and he's weeping over you and you're telling him all of your darkest stuff and he's saying, I know, I know. And he's just healing you and carrying you. And then in that sin starts to fall off. I think that's what's taking place because we start to recognize that we're moving from a guest experience to a family royal experience. We have to give up the guest rights to the family rights. Do you want to exchange that today? Come on. I want to exchange this idea that I don't have refrigerator rights with God. I don't want to belittle what Jesus has done. Finished, final, identity. The fact of being who or what a person or thing is. Who are we? Now, often we let our feelings dictate our Actions, we've got that one, feelings. Diamond, you back there? Good. There we go. Our feelings and our actions, and then it fuels who am I? Like, this is what I think about myself because this is how I feel. This is why when we start our day, I woke up on the wrong side of the bed. It's not not any coincidence that you you went to bed on the wrong side of the bed too, right? It kind of grows. When you wake up on the wrong side of the bed, the best thing is just get on your face before God. And I'm telling you, sometimes I struggle with this because I'd rather complain. I'd rather play my own pity party instead of put on worship and just receive and let God speak to me. And when he does and read his word, and you know what? I don't normally leave the secret place mad. Very rarely. It just doesn't happen. Because now I'm coming out of identity. I'm a son. I belong. Now my actions start to dictate I want to help people. And now I feel a lot different. And so this isn't something that's only reserved for special people with a mic or that, that, that have some religious rights. Absolutely not. This is for everybody. Everybody. When you're called into the kingdom, the royal family of God, and I love it because God is so customized. And um, just to kind of get a little weird for a second, I know there's been some strange experiences that you may have had with people that say, okay, the Holy Spirit's speaking and God's speaking to you. And, and let's, let's just not discount. Maybe they're weird. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're perfect for them. But let's just kind of shelf that for a second and kind of come into your experience. Just because one thing has happened to you doesn't mean that God can't make it true and right for you. Now, one of the things I love about uh, reading God's word is it's just so alive. And it's so alive. The spirit speaks to you through it. And, and it moves from head knowledge to heart knowledge. And, and one of the beautiful things is you see God showing up in different individuals and characters' lives in unique ways often. In fact, John, who rolled with Jesus, he talks about him. He says, man, I'm the one he loves. Peter's probably rolling after Jesus ascends to heaven. He's saying, I'm the rock. He's starting to get his identity different. He's not talking, yeah, I'm the failure. I'm the failure. Now, there is, I believe, some people that we falsely come into confidence because we've really never come into repentance. Real confidence comes from God in, in radically repenting, saying, man, you're holy. I'm not. Forgive me. I'm a sinner. And then when, you, when he comes to you and he, he finds you, he says, oh, yeah, come here. 
I love you. What? You love me? You see how obedience happens? Because you're so dead, you're like, oh, I don't deserve to be into the party. I'm just a guest. I'd be happy if you could just make me a hired hand in, in my father's house. I mean, you're, you're a king. I'm not worthy. I'm just nothing. He's like, oh, come here. I can use you. The heart always starts there in the kingdom of God. It's so beautiful. So beautiful. We now move identity and God customizes it. He customized it for David. He customized it for Daniel, Joseph, Peter, John, Isaac, Jacob, Israel moment. I mean, he changes. He, this, is, this is it. And so over the course of these next few weeks, I hope you'll keep coming back because I pray that this is um, almost like, an, like something that is imparted from heaven to you as a weapon that you'll need throughout the course of your life. To remember who you are is whose you are. And so that's how we fight, not Jesus. I fight with Jesus. That's <laughs> who he made me. Now, the world teaches, you know, words have meaning. There's power of the universe. And if you read things like The Secret and, you know, and watch it, and that's what, what, you know, the universe is speaking or people say my thoughts are with you and the butterfly effect. And I get that. But I want to I give Jesus his proper due where it says power and life and death is in the tongue. He's the one who made up that stuff. And when people start to have freedom, he's the one who gives freedom. And I think just because we see uh, the world kind of modify or pervert something or distract or distort doesn't mean that God doesn't want to do it. He's the master of it. And so when he speaks and he gives new names and Saul's to Paul's, that's a good thing. So I want to I wanna just kind of um, invite you and whet your appetite to, to take off the lid that God could speak something new to you for this season that would line up with this word, that it wouldn't be weird or scary, that he would say, oh, hey, Gideon, mighty man of valor. Me? The runt? My situation? We're struggling. Mighty man of valor. When God sees you, what's he say? When he sees you, what's he say? I think he talks like that. Some of my leaders have led the way in this. Um, I heard Craig Rochelle has, he's not my leader, but uh, I watch him. Never met him. But he was talking about how he reads this affirmation statement every day. Good friend of mine, John Mashney, he, uh, several years ago, I got to read his affirmation statement. It was so cool. And it excited me because God had been speaking things to me for years, but I never kind of formulated it. And then our team, we went away and we had an identity statement time. And uh, we all wrote words of what God was telling us. And it was kind of our identity statement. It wasn't above, you know, the word of God. No, it started to contextually, uniquely customize the word of God for us. Do you, you catch that? So the, the epistles, the letters are written for your Bible buffs in the room. They're written to churches with specific needs and issues about a family, household information. God is still that God today. He still moves in specific, unique ways in family, household situations. And so we don't need an old word sometimes. The word translates to today, but it's applied in a very unique way, but we have to know the setting. And so it's very much tied and connected. And so I hope that you kind of just are giving Jesus everything. I want to understand the, the scroll but I want to understand the now, the nuggets, the now, the now, the nuggets from heaven that are inside of me that God is pulling out. I believe that's what an identity statement is. And when our team, we went, we went away and did it, and we were dreaming about this series in December. We, we were dreaming in such a way that this church would stand up in a way that says, okay, I'm coming out. You know, it's like, we hear so much of the world coming out, right? Like, cool, that's awesome. Like, I'm glad you have freedom for that. Like, for real. Like, we shouldn't even... Well, don't be mad at somebody. Let you come out like this dope. But here's the thing. I'm coming out too. 
And I'm stinking so confident in Jesus Christ. Do I feel it? No, all the time. No. Andy Mineo, he summed it up best in a song. Some think I'm cocky. I just know that God got me. I wonder if that could be our slogan here at City Life Lansing. Some think I'm cocky, but I just know that God got me. Where would you go? Would there be a devil too big? Would there be a person that you couldn't reach? I don't think so. There's an intimate relationship today. Romans 8, 15, it says, uh, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. The suffering pales in the comparison of being in the family of God. What are you going through today? Maybe we could just put it off to the side and look up. I know it's ugly. I know it's hard. But he's calling us to a mighty new way. I'm going to show a video here of uh, Emily um, Jones sent this to me. It's a This Is Me behind the scenes song where it's performed from Greatest Showman. If anybody's watched that movie, I got a confession real quick is I haven't watched the movie, um, but I've watched the movie. My kids have watched it dozens of times, so I've caught every part of it and I put it all together and it's, I know it's a great movie and I for sure, I know if you've watched it, you want me to watch it, I'm gonna watch it, okay? But I don't like always watching on my kids' terms. I like watching kind of Elf. Elf kind of keeps me in, in that, you know, like, ha, ah, that's funny. Like, it's, I don't even care about anything, right? Nacho Libre, it's me. Like, I just not, you know, Napoleon. But like, Greatest Showman, it's, it's you instantly walk in, you're like, okay, wow, I'm feeling emotional right now, you know? Wow, I know that I need to, you know, we're going to overcome. Wow, there's a storyline in battles. But I do think there's power there. And I think what is happening is in the emotional kind of fervency, that that's kind of how God's talking to us, that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So now, now we start to want to repent. Now we start to say, oh, okay, whoa, 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 how great is our God. And as we watch this, I hope that it kind of ignites something in each one of us to know that God really has called you to be forever free, to be forever me. Check it. There's something powerful about watching somebody come alive, right? What would it look like for you to come alive? Make it personal today. Forever me. I know we go to the movies because we want to watch somebody else and it's, it's cool to live our lives through celebrities. And one of the identity things that I've tried to live in my life is I want to live a life worth reading about and then define that. What would be worth reading about? Well, someone who loves and forgives and when nobody's looking, goes, you know, takes the long way or the hard way. I do it, you know, sometimes reluctantly, begrudgingly. And God's just is so grace and his mercy is so good. And, and uh, he's just been faithful and patient. And then you get to learn more. It's like, oh, okay, this, this is me. All right, I need to come out more into that. And, and that's what it is. And sometimes it, it takes us getting to the end of ourselves where we begin with God. And, and um, 
no matter how long we've been in Jesus, we still feel like we're at the end of ourselves and we begin with God. So it's, it's really that beautiful. The same grace that saved us is the same grace that's saving us and the same grace that will save us. It's that beautiful. And the worship team, they're going to close with the resurrected king is resurrecting me. And to think of the power that Jesus lives. I was reading this week in the moment when um, Jesus shows up to his followers and they think he's a ghost. They're freaking out. And he's like, come here, touch and see. Like, I'm real, flesh and bone. He really did raise from the dead. And people, it's like, whoa. And that's where you have the church. You have this movement that just sparks and wants to change the world. And let everybody know that they could be found and be free, be sons and daughters of the king, to be royalty. And that's the good news. And as we worship, um, if you guys just want to start out and, and maybe sit down and, 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 and then just stand up if you feel today is a stepping out moment. Like you need to get away from whatever your music stand is for her, you know, and you have an area in your life where you're like, okay, nope, I, I, this is me and I'm coming out and the resurrected king is resurrecting me. And I believe that in that moment, in that expression, as we, you know, take a step that God is just going to meet us, right? Just like he did Gideon in, in, in just a powerful way. And uh, I want to pray for us and have us experience that um, and have the worship team lead us in that. Jesus, there's some people in this place, in fact, many that need freedom and in, in freedom from insecurities, freedom from lies, freedom from fear, freedom from anxiety, depression, all of this. They think, oh, I could never. And I pray today that we would hear the word of you that says you're a mighty warrior. We hear the word from you that says you're a son, you're royalty chosen, you're, that we're heirs of the throne, that God has not given us a spirit of fear, that we're not step anything, that we step right in. And God, today you are making us more of who you made us to be, and we're being free as we shed off all the lies of this world. We shed it off right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelansing.com. You belong here.